Good morning, Mosaic. It is good to see all of you. If we haven't met, uh, my name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. No, wait, let me rephrase that. Uh, Bill left last week. I am the pastor here. Hey, how about that? Oh, crazy, man. What a good season it is, though. It's a good season. Um, I have, yeah, Bill's gone. That's right. It's a good season. Make sure you get that on the pad- podcast. We can send that to Bill, all right? It's good. Uh, if you're visiting here with us, I, I'm really, really glad that you're here. And Carissa just said it. So we've, we've entered into this season as this seven-year-old church of saying, all right, let's renew our core. People who are ready to lean in together, start dreaming together, start entering these practices that we've talked about. Because the directional team, what we've done is we've put up this frame, right? And we said, we're inviting you into this framework that is saying, would you lean in with us to being a community following Jesus in practicing rhythms of grace? Notice we didn't say, would you join us in being a community, being the moral police of culture around us? We didn't say, would you join us in being a community of getting all of the right doctrine and dogma right? What we said is, would you lean in with us and be a community practicing rhythms of grace? That we believe it's important to be people who just look for opportunities to grab other people and say, hey, come and rest with me. Because guess what? We're not the captains of this ship. There's actually a God who's in charge of all of this. So let's rest together. Uh, Let's abide in his love and care together. So whatever resting looks like for you, maybe it's eating a good meal, going and watching the sunset, sitting around a fire pit and enjoying a drink, whatever it looks like. That's one of our practices. We said, hey, lean into being uh, a people who listen well, right? That we would actually listen to the stories of one another. That we would listen for what's going on in the lives of other people who live right around us each and every day. Let's be a people that share tables, right? We want our tables to be shared with people who don't always think like us, who don't always act like us, who look different than us, because there's things that we need to learn from them, and we believe that maybe there's things that they can learn from us. And God does something in that, right? Jesus was this one who, like, look at the way he, like, eats and drinks with all of these people that he shouldn't. We think it would be great to be that kind of community. We want to be a people who lean into blessing others, that if we see an opportunity and we've listened and God says, hey, lean into that and bless that person or bless those people, uh, that we would do that. Uh, We want to be a people who practice celebrating, right? That we would throw parties well. Because there are things that are happening in your life, in my life, and those things need to be celebrated, guys. There's things happening in other people's lives all around us. It needs to be celebrated, So um, if you're visiting with us, we're really glad that you're here. MosaicLincoln.com slash core. You can read what we're all about there. If you haven't leaned in yet, we invite you to do that and come and join us for one of these core story gatherings nights as we begin to unpack more and more uh, of what our future will be together. Um, Daylight savings times? Any fans in the the house? Fans of daylight savings time? Eh, Yeah, yeah. I love it this time of year, right? This is great. It's like that hour that was stolen from your life. You get it back. It's wonderful. Um, Especially for the setup teardown team. Um, Can we give a hand for our setup and teardown team people? Yes. Um, I I was telling them uh, just how appreciative I am that that they get up and they show up here and it's beautiful. 
But showing up at 7.30 this morning when, when it was actually light outside, yes, that's so much better uh, than showing up in the dark. That's a good thing. Um, so, yeah, this is great this time of year. Uh, Mosaic, we are going to be leaning into discovering what it means to be a people who are on the increase, overflowing with love, holiness, and hope. Uh, we're going to look at a letter, First Thessalonians. It was a letter that was written to um, a very uh, young, little, vibrant, vulnerable church community in the ancient city of Thessalonica. And Paul, who's kind of like, he's, he's the apostle who got sent out to start a lot of these first church communities in these places. Paul is concerned about this church community because he knows they're little and they're vulnerable. Um, and he was there for a short while in the city to get things started, but then he, he kind of had to leave quickly. Um, it's a fascinating letter. So we're going to dive into it together and ask, what does it mean to be a community just like this, this early church in Thessalonica? And, and Paul prayed in the middle of the letter. We'll see it later on as we get going um, in this together. Paul prayed that, that God would increase in them more and more, their love for one another, but also for all people. And that they would be a community that overflows with love and holiness and hope. Let me ask you a question uh, this morning. Um, what have you had to react to this week? What have you had to react to? Um, and, and I don't know about you, but for me, um, reactions can kind of be a funny thing. You know, sometimes you just, you just got to react quick. You touch a hot burner, you got to react. That's a good thing, right? Pull your hand away. Um, but things are always happening around us. There's a lot of chaos and confusion around us. And, and so we're often quick to react. And sometimes reacting isn't the best thing. Because I know my initial reaction isn't always the wisest decision. For instance, I don't know what it is about squirrels here in Lincoln. But earlier this week, we set our pumpkins out. And the squirrels were like all over them. I mean, I'm right there at the door, and like there's just a screen door separating me and him, and he's just looking up at me like, hey, who cares? You know, he's just like, you know, and my initial reaction is find a friend with a gun. And just because I don't own a firearm, but I want one right now, and I, I want to take care of this guy, right? That's the initial reaction. Um, probably not the best reaction. Probably a better way to respond, Kurt, right? The squirrels have a place here. We can, we can share this space. Maybe I should be a little more wise as to how I set these things out and when I set them out. And I could always coat them in hairspray. I've heard people say those things, you know. Um, how many of you yesterday were having some difficult reactions watching the Cornhuskers, right? I mean, it's exciting, right? It was exciting watching the Cornhuskers play at Ohio State. And I have to be very careful here because I'm, I'm Ohio born and bred but my feet are firmly planted here in Lincoln, so I'm excited about the future. Um, yesterday was a little bit, it was tugging on my heart in weird ways. Um, but I thought about being a Cornhusker fan. I'm like, man, your initial reaction is just like, oh, a disappointment, we almost had it. Um, but if you step back from that reaction and actually like take in a better response rather than the initial reaction, um, Cornhusker fans, like, Let's get excited a little bit, right? I mean, the future is bright, right? You say to yourself, man, I'm going to respond with a little bit of hope here. This, this is exciting, um, exciting stuff. Um, maybe, there's, maybe there's something else that right now you're reacting to. And your initial reaction is just one of, it's one of fear. Um, 
It's one where you want to take control. It's one where you want to enact some revenge. You know, you want to prove that that you're right and that other person is wrong. Um, and if we're not careful, guys, as a people, as a community, we become a people um, defined by our reactions. And like I said, our reactions generally maybe aren't the, the best, wisest place to respond from. Um, and it's even, you know, you, Carissa mentioned it, you know, you go into a week like this week, you know, and everybody's got opinions, and everybody knows what they think is best, you know. And so I want to encourage us that as we step out into this week, um, let's not be a people who are, who are guided by reactions, but let's be a community who is learning how to respond to God's love that is continually present with us, that we be a community that responds to the reality that, that we're a community who, who not only says but really believes that Jesus is Lord. In that earliest three-word confessional statement, Jesus is Lord, contextually is a very political statement. Um, and so if we say that Jesus is Lord, then we don't have to say, well, then, you know, Democrats are or Republicans are. They get it all right. They get it all wrong. Like, we, we actually get to respond to everything happening around us in a very different kind of way. So that's my hope for us is that we would be a community that responds to God's love that's present with us. That we'd be a community responding to the reality that Jesus is Lord. He's present um, in in doing a beautiful work. Uh, Mosaic, God's love invites us into a life of focused response rather than a series of varied reactions. And so our our hope for you is that you um, would learn to kind of just step back from those initial reactions that well up inside of you and that you would actually pause and learn to respond to God's love. In this existence of chaos, do we have the patience to wait until the mud settles and the water is clear in order to respond well? Do we have the patience to wait until the mud settles and the water clears to respond well? Because if we're going to be a community, as we're going to discover, um, like this community in Thessalonica that is continually on the increase of of sharing God's love with one another, but also for everyone else, overflowing with holiness, love, hope, then we have to be a community that learns to respond to God's love present with us, to the reality that Jesus is Lord in whatever situation I'm facing. And, and when that initial reaction wells up, do we have the patience to, to wait until the mud settles and the water clears? Mosaic, the reason this is so important, the reason it's so important for us to, to wrestle with what's going on contextually in a letter like First Thessalonians um, is because it's real easy for, for communities or for people to show up into other situations and kind of say, hey, let me, let me explain to you the reason for your existence. And let me explain to you for, for why kind of you're here. Um, but we, we don't want to be that kind of community. What Jesus did is, is Jesus stepped into the neighborhood and he assembled a group of people and, and Jesus assembled these followers, and by assembling them and inviting them into a way of life, 
the way that they lived among other people was an explanation to all other people of, hey, let me, let me show you the reason for your existence. You're here to respond to the presence of God, the love of God, the reality that Jesus is Lord. And so we do that as individuals, but we also go out and do that together, right, in all kinds of friendships and relationships and smaller groups. Every time we go out and fill all the nooks and crannies of Lincoln, whether we're going off into our workplace or we're going out with friends and, and, and our mosaic group, whatever it is, we want to be that, that kind of community. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. Right in the middle of the letter, um, Paul prays this prayer. And in the midst of the prayer, this is what he prays. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Let's just pause there for a minute. Let that, let that soak in. Paul, who has such an an incredible, deep love for this community, right in the middle of the letter, he's got an opportunity to pray anything, right? God, help them get their doctrine right. God, help them set other people straight. God, help them with this, help them with this. No, what what his prayer is simply this, God, make, make their love increase and overflow for each other. And for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Wow, Mosaic, that's my hope for us. That our love for one another would increase. Uh, That you would maybe look around and say, you know what, maybe I'm meeting somebody new here and I just, I want to keep getting to know them. I want to keep listening to their story. I want to invite them into my story. That we would just be a community that, that loves one another well. But also everyone else. That, that we would embody that kind of life. Sojourner Truth, there's a quote you'll see up here on the screen. She, she said these words. She says, I will not allow my life's light to be determined by the darkness around me. I will not allow my life's light to be determined by the darkness around me. She had this incredible sense of purpose. Now, Sojourner Truth, she was born Isabella Bomfrey. Um, she was born in New York State, an African-American woman, um, born into slavery. She was able to escape with her infant daughter, and she became um, an incredible abolitionist um, in the equal rights movement and uh, a lot of women's rights. Um, but I, I love the purpose through which she speaks. You know, she has this incredible sense of purpose that She knows what she's saying yes to. And because she knows what she's saying yes to, um, the the no's just kind of come easy. And so as a community, even if if we know that we're saying yes to being a community that's increasing in our love for one another and our love for everyone else, that we're going to be overflowing with love and holiness and hope, my prayer for us is that after the next number of weeks as we wrestle through this letter together, that we would be so focused in knowing what God has called us to that we would be living with this incredible sense of purpose together. What a, what a beautiful opportunity it would be. And uh, in particular, as we, as we explore these things like holiness, love, uh, and hope, that the second half of the letter really dives into that. Let me just say this, guys, because as Paul deals with the theme of holiness in this letter, and I'm going to do a lot of background this morning, and then we'll, we'll get into some of the nooks and crannies and like really nitty-gritty stuff of the letter in the next few weeks. 
But as Paul deals with holiness, and he talks a lot about holiness in this letter, holiness is one of those words in the church that's kind of, it has a lot of baggage that's come along with it, right? Uh, when, when Paul is praying for this church, you know, uh, hoping that they would be overflowing with holiness, encouraging them toward holiness, um, Holiness, in a lot of ways, has become kind of this, um, what do I need to say no to, right? What do I need to abstain from? And so the holy person is the one who says no to this and abstains from this and is not touching this. And, and holiness can have a certain aspect of that, right? The word holy itself means set apart, kind of for a special use. And so you think about, like, maybe, you know, grandma always had, like, the the holy dishes, right, that only get pulled out on Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know? And you, you abstain from using them the other times of the year. But, but the, the ultimate oomph of holiness is not so much what we abstain from, but it's what we're saying yes to. So we've often defined holiness, or another word that can be used, sanctification, a word that means set apart, as what we need to abstain from. But Jesus defined holiness as giving yourself to things. Jesus defined holiness as giving yourself to mercy, to compassion, to enemy love, to hospitality for the stranger, for the other, the one who's not like us, the one who thinks differently than us, the one who has grown up in a different context than us. So, so holiness for Jesus is, is, is that person, is giving yourself to those things. And this is the kind of, of holy life that Jesus lived for you and he lived for me, right? The one who was other, the one who didn't get it. Um, the one who was often weighed down with a lot of guilt and shame. Because if I look back at my life, I see all of the ways um, that if, if people knew everything that went on, on in my life, it would, be, it would be difficult. It would be really hard. But Jesus is the one who lived a holy life and said, no, I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes to you. And he's saying yes to me. Even though it's going to cost him something, right? To sit down and want to actually share compassion and mercy and grace and forgiveness with me. Mosaic, in the end... The holy person is the person who responds to God's love, loves well, and imitates Jesus. Uh, so this, this letter, it's being written to this early, young, little, vulnerable, vibrant church in Thessalonica. And kind of the backdrop of the letter is Thessalonica was, um, it was kind of a, a really um, popular kind of port city, port destination up in northern Greece, the region of Macedonia. And the backdrop to all of this letter kind of takes place in Acts chapter 16 and 17. I encourage you, if you have time this week, if you want to dive into it a little bit more, all of this is just going to help you as we get into the next few weeks together and dive into this letter. But there's this whole context that's going on. So Paul is the apostle. His life is radically changed. Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus. Jesus turns uh, Saul from an enemy into a friend. And, and Paul now is going to be sent out to really kind of proclaim the good news that, guess what? Jesus is Lord. Um, God is doing a, a, a new thing in the world, and it's, it's all about Jesus. And so in Acts chapter 16, Paul has this vision 
of this man of Macedonia. Paul's sleeping. He has a dream, and there's this man in Macedonia. At the, at the time that Paul has this dream, he's kind of in modern-day Galatia, which is more Turkey. And he has this dream, and it's this, this man calls out, hey, come over here. So Paul and Silas together end up going to a city in Macedonia called Philippi. And while they're there, they encounter a woman who is being used for her fortune-telling abilities. Um, And she's acting as a slave. There's property owners who are making money off of what she's doing. And Paul and Silas end up sharing the good news of Jesus with her. She's rescued from that existence. Um, And if you want to mess with people and make them really mad, what do you do? You mess with their money, right? Talking about reactions earlier, like if you want to to get a reaction out of somebody, just mess with their money. And that's why in a lot of ways, like politics can be so divisive, right? Because in a lot of ways, we're talking about money. We're talking about currency and and, and how we deal with all of this taxes and everything else. Um, And so there's all of this chaos that's going on. And so um, Paul and Silas actually end up being thrown in jail. They're beaten with rods because they're messing with the economy in Philippi. And there's an earthquake that happens as they're in prison. They're released from prison, but they're like, we got to get out of here because this is not going to be good. So Paul and Silas then end up going to Thessalonica. And while there, they end up kind of interacting in the synagogue amongst the Jews first, but they also interact with a number of Greek people who are there. And a few of the Jews, but then a large number of the Greeks, begin to respond to this message that they're proclaiming. And this message is simply this, that God is now working in the world through Jesus, a new king, who not only showed um, that he is willing to enter into our sufferings, this king didn't achieve his work through amazing conquests. But this king accomplished his work by undergoing a death, by undergoing the kinds of suffering and hardships that you and I undergo. But this king also was resurrected from the dead, and now this king, this king is now Lord. Caesar is no longer Lord, but this king is Lord. And so if you were to go to Thessalonica even today, you'll see it up here on the screens. Um, here's kind of a, a Roman triumphal entry that is still in Thessalonica. Do we have that on the notes back there? There it is, right there. That is still in modern-day Thessalonica. And so what that is, just a, it's a Roman triumphal arch. And so you imagine Paul, who's coming into Thessalonica with, with Silas, and they're saying, look, there's actually a new king. Um, and so Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is. And we're inviting you to come and follow him, come experience the good news of life in him, come and find that actually what's happening in the world is happening because of him. Um, and so what this does, guys, is this challenges us a lot because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, one of the things that Paul celebrates in this community is he says, um, Thessalonica, Thessalonians, we hear how you've turned to God from idols, We've heard how you've turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. So we hear how you've turned to God from idols. Um, And so this very politically charged climate, they're turning from those idols and saying, no, there's, there's a new way of living. There's a new way of existing. And so, guys, let me just say this to us, Mosaic. Um, 
Jesus is not just asking you to be a good citizen of the United States. Okay, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, um, he's not asking you to be just a good citizen of the United States of America. Now, he's, he's not telling you not to be either, so let me just say that too. But the most important thing is he's asking you to respond to the love that God has for you and then to allow that love to overflow for one another, but for everyone else, right? Remember that prayer right in the middle of the letter? And, and to proclaim that Jesus is Lord, Mosaic, it's important to go to the voting booth on Tuesday or whenever you do that. Absolutely. We want to be a community that says, yes, let's, let's participate in these, these civil opportunities that are before us. But quite possibly more important than what you do in the voting booth on Tuesday is the fact that you're here this morning coming to this table that Jesus has prepared for you. This is quite possibly the most political thing that you can do with your life. I firmly believe that. This is, this is quite possibly the most political thing that you can do with your life is respond to God's love for you and allow that love to transform your life that then your love begins to overflow for everyone else, everyone right here, and everyone you meet along the way. And Jesus will lead you to work that out, what that's going to look like for you as a citizen here in the United States of America. Um, And so I'm kind of, I'm kind of amazed, like it's, it's, you know, I'm one of these guys who like loves looking at like kind of modern trends in the church. And it's funny because there can be a lot, there'll be a lot of shaming going on this week. I have some friends and some ministry partners who come from what's called more of an Anabaptist tradition where they just kind of lay aside like political involvement and they just like have kind of walked away from it altogether. And so a lot of them, like they just, they don't vote. They don't vote. They'll be shamed. A lot of them will be shamed this week because they've chosen not to go vote. Um, But the reality is we're often okay if people go weeks or if not months who claim to be Christians but actually never come to these tables that Jesus has prepared for us. So see, there's a lot of stuff that we need to wrestle with. There's a lot going on that we just need to say, man, what's this going to look like for us as a community? Paul was concerned for this little church because... Um, he had to leave Thessalonica real quick then because then threats started to come his way. And so as a result of him having to leave, um, eventually then they sent Timothy, Paul and Silas sent Timothy back to Thessalonica. You got to love it. Paul and Silas, they leave in a hurry. They're concerned for their existence. So then they end up meeting this young Timothy and they're like, yo, young Timothy, we got a job for you. We got a job for you. Go back to that place, you know? Tell us how this little community is doing back there. We, we want to hear about it. Paul was very concerned for what was going on in this church. Um, but the beautiful thing is, is if you read this letter, and I encourage you to do it this week. It's only going to help you as we move into the next few weeks together. Just read through the whole letter. Do it a few times and get a sense for what's going on here. Paul is surprised because this report comes back from Timothy like, man, these people are actually loving each other well. They've turned to God from idols. Like they're proclaiming the good news that Jesus is Lord. Their, their love is growing for each other, for everyone else. In Mosaic, this is what I hope we understand. You'll see it on the screen here. Vulnerable people and communities dependent on God's spirit rather than the success of empires are God's means of bringing about transformation of the world. Vulnerable people and communities 
dependent on God's spirit rather than the success of empires are God's means of bringing about transformation of the world. Now, certainly there's means of democracy that we engage in, but ultimately, God is bringing about transformation in the world because of tiny, small, vulnerable, yet vibrant, loving communities like us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. There's a lot in that verse 13 right there, and we're going to unpack a lot of it in the next few weeks about what it means to be holy, not just abstaining from things, but actually knowing what we're saying yes to. And because we're so focused at saying yes to these things, we'll just naturally abstain from other things. Mosaic, the the essence of our faith in Jesus is trusting God's love to carry us forward into the surrounding darkness in vulnerable ways, living a Jesus kind of life. It's more than right rules and ideas. It's giving ourselves to participation with Jesus as we overflow with holiness, love, and hope. Um, Next week as we get together, it's going to be a fun week because we get to talk about sex. Um, Because in the next part of the letter, Paul talks about um, sex. And one of the things that we're going to discover is knowing that as we actually um, engage as holy people, not being a society that takes advantage of one another, um, is that it's actually incredibly possible to be the most healthy sexual person you can be and actually not even have to engage in sex. I know some of you are doubting me. Some of you are doubting me. But let me say it again. It's possible to be an incredibly healthy sexual person and never engage in sex. Now, there's a whole lot to unpack there, and we'll do that next week, okay? Because Paul's going to talk about what it means to be a holy people, a people who are overflowing with holiness and so focused on saying yes to the right things that it just life just sorts itself out. It's a beautiful thing. Um... You know, we're going to talk about hope because the reality is it's, it's hard living a Jesus kind of life in the midst of all of the darkness. You know, think about Isabella Bomfrey, Sojourner Truth. Man, the struggle that this woman lived in 19th century, you know, um, in the abolitionist movement, you know, being a former slave herself. Uh, but yet the hope that she held on to, that she's able to say, I'm not going to allow my life's light to be determined by the darkness around me. Beautiful thing, beautiful thing. Um, let me read this, guys, and then we're going we're gonna to prepare just to come to these tables here. First Thessalonians chapter 1, 4 through 7. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. And Mosaic, we, Scripture wasn't written to us, but we get in on the goodies. So even though this was written to this early church, we're, this is our story too, right? We're part of this family. So Mosaic, loved by God, he's chosen you. 
Because the gospel, the good news, came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia, in Achaia, in Lincoln, in Nebraska, and your workplace, and your school, and wherever you find yourself during the week. Um, Guys, let's go on this journey together over the next few weeks of discovering what it means to be this kind of community on the increase, right? Our love for one another growing, for everyone else, overflowing with holiness, love, and hope. We're going to discover some really neat themes together. Uh, I want to invite um, Brooke and Stefan and Brooke to come back up um, as they prepare to... uh, to lead us to these tables that we come to each and every morning. Um, And as as you prepare to come forward this morning, um, my hope is that this would be a time when you could allow the mud to settle and the water to clear. Whatever's going on in your soul, whatever, whatever is there that's murky, that's dark, that's difficult, and it feels like it's kind of controlling your life this week, right? Where you're constantly having to react to it. Um, This would be a time where where the presence of Jesus would allow that mud to settle and the water to clear. And that you could lay aside all of the typical reactions that you know probably aren't healthy, that you know pull you all kinds of different ways, Um, and that, that you would instead respond to the presence of God's love that is here with you. Uh, that you would respond to the reality that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over thousands of years of history before us and whatever comes forward. And the most important thing for us is to be a people responding to him. Because he's calling out, hey, follow me. I love you. I forgive you. I welcome you just as you are. Whatever shame and guilt you're carrying, just just bring it. I'll be right there in the dirt with you. Um, But he will settle that muddy water. He will clear that water. Uh, And he will send you from here um, responding in much more healthy, life-giving ways. So let me pray for us, Mosaic. God, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to be here in worship to hear from your word, to be um, stirred on by uh, other little, vulnerable, vibrant, Jesus-following communities who have come before us. God, may we, may we learn from their example. Uh, may we imitate them because they imitated Paul, and Paul imitated Jesus. Uh, so we want to be that community. Scott, I pray for each and every person here as they come forward. Um, May they know that you are calling them to um, take this bread which you gave thanks for and you broke it. You said, this is my body given for you. And this cup that you said proclaims uh, a new covenant, a new thing that you're doing in the world, the forgiveness of sin, uh, the opportunity to participate with you uh, in bringing about the restoration of the world. So God, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for first loving us. Amen.